welcome to this week's episode of Girls Talking Boys on the Blogging the Boys Network um, in partnership with SB Nation. This is Meg Murray, and I am Kelsey-less today, um, and I know that I am the grumpy cat so of this podcast right now, so I thought I'd bring the same energy with our guest today. <laughs> we have Dave Hellman of DallasCowboys.com. Do you want me to do a Kelsey impression? Actually, like, I do. Just raise the energy. Be like, what's up, party people? Hi. Welcome to Blogging the Boys. Birds are real. <laughs> I don't know. That was, I mean, if you couldn't see this, guys, but he had the peace sign up. Yeah, I was like covering my face with the peace sign. Which is Kelsey to a T. We also have uh, Tyler Batiste of The uh, Athletic with us, too, to chime in on all, all things football. So your neighbors, basically. Like yeah. your real life neighbor, and then our neighbor who's here just as often as he's well, he's my roommate, so. yeah, for real, <laughs> right? Which, why not have the managing editor for NBA content here to talk about football? You bring a level of gravitas to the proceedings, thank you, yeah, thank you. I've always <laughs> thought that about myself, so I absolutely think that about you. Um, okay, speaking of gravitas, yeah, I don't know. Um, so you had a trip this week. I had a lot of trips recently, man. Yeah, I've just been following these following these Cowboys execs all over the country this year. What's it like to be a stalker? Uh, I, I mean, I don't like talking about my job because I'm too self-aware to think anybody's curious about it. But That's, Well, if, you're, if you were more self-aware, self-aware, you would realize people do want to know what you do. Perhaps, perhaps. It's, it's a weird job. Yeah, so I was at the, I was at the NFL's owners meetings this week. Uh, which is, for lack of a better description, it's basically just a convention where the league's power brokers sit around and vote on rule changes and, like, pat each other on the back for being rich. Um, I wish I could do that. Yeah, it sounds great. And then there's me and all of my media cohorts where our job is to hang out outside of those meeting rooms in the hopes that they will stop and talk to us about whatever it is on our agenda, which in our case, it was all things Cowboys. I think we got, we got everybody. We got, we talked to Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones. Uh, they, they let Mike McCarthy hop on a web call with us since he wasn't actually in Florida. <laughs> Literally I spent 30 minutes of my week chatting on zoom with Mike McCarthy who was back in Dallas at his office, which is like 50 feet away from my desk. So I was like, wow, I flew a long way to have a conversation with somebody that I could have walked down the hallway to see. Well, to be fair, uh, when you, before you left, you said that you didn't think you were going to get any of them. It's true. So <laughs> I was uh, kind of paranoid that I was wasting company money going down there, but it worked out. It worked out for the best. Uh, they yeah. made it worth your while. They're like, we're paying this guy to go stalk people, so I might as well. And you know what? Like, stalking somebody on the beach in West Palm Beach is way more fun than stalking people in the tunnels above Indianapolis, uh, the, the skywalks, if you will. So, yeah, it's good times. The story of our friendship is lowering expectations and then having them exceed it. So, undersell and overdeliver. Yeah, That's I'm right. Glad. And I also realized there's kind of a time for me being here. Because Mike McCarthy is from Pittsburgh, and I will Greenfield offer Greenfield, baby, and I'll offer the Pittsburgh perspective or something like that. So I that's mean, why I'm here. Can we, you do the rest we, of the show in a Pittsburgh accent? I could, but I won't. <laughs> We've had Tyler on multiple times. I think mostly for Pittsburgh reasons. So I mean, this kind of tracks. No, there was some Eagles talk last time. There was one time. 
but you've been on like three times. It's a big month for the Eagles, man. Three top 20 picks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, obviously during the middle of the season, people kind of thought that, uh, they were going to be a lot better. Would, yeah. Well, those are those picks would be higher. No, it's um, yeah. The picks would be a lot. Better, yeah. Not, not the, the teams. Eagles, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Um, I hope they don't take a quarterback. Um, I don't think you need to reach for a quarterback um, at that point unless you, like, really, really love someone. What about one that um, would make a good running back but is actually a quarterback? <laughs> uh, I guess I'll hype up Pittsburgh again. Like, if it's Kenny Pickett, no, I'm kidding. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it's a big month. So I just think – I mean, it goes without saying because the Eagles have three picks, but, like – they're going to take at least two guys that the draft nerd in me absolutely loves for the Cowboys. And it like breaks my heart. Like they're going to take a receiver that I love or a linebacker that I love or a pass rusher that I love, maybe all of the above, honestly. Like I just, there's high potential for the Eagles to break the Cowboys hearts in the draft this year. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Not to bring them. This, this is a Cowboys podcast. Okay. Well, Get out of here. We are the grumpy cats, so we're not right. That's right. I'm yeah. I'm I'm high energy today. I can't be myself. So, oh yeah, wait, you're Kelsey. So ask you, me something happier. Yeah. If you're Kelsey, you have to say like a lot and also just say, well, I think that you know they'll make it work out in the end. You also have to ignore my texts. No. Yeah, no, I mean that's yeah, yeah, she does that too. And I hope she listens to this. So she might. I'll tell her. I will clip this for her. She's, <laughs> she's going to listen to this on her way back from her trip. Yeah, that's what I she'll mean, do. There's nothing that she loves more than to listen to the sweet sound of my voice. So, um, you know, it could happen. But back to, uh, you know, your time in, was it Miami? West Palm Beach, technically, which like, I realized... Is that just like Miami in cursive? I, yeah, like I realized on this trip, like Miami reminds me a lot of dallas in the sense of like it's just this mega sprawl but in like dallas is sort of a big circular pattern you know and Miami's just all this big line along the coast so yeah like i mean west palm beach is basically miami it's just like an hour and a half north of that i'm if you live in south florida don't come for me i'm sorry <laughs> that's just the impression that i got I agree with you i went to fort lauderdale um not yeah. that long ago fort lauderdale was in between it's yeah. all the most Florida thing ever was, um, you'll appreciate this. I went to uh, a bar to sit alone to watch LSU. It's our favorite pastime. Right. LSU and Kentucky basketball. And on the way there, I looked to my left, there was a Publix. And I looked to my right and there was another Publix. Yes. And I was like, that. this is the most Florida thing I've ever Did seen in my life. Get a chicken tender. So. I didn't go, but I was oh. curious about which one was there first and what the second Publix used to be before someone came in and said, you know what this area needs? another Publix. Which again, Dallas in a nutshell. Right. Same stuff. Yeah. And sorry, we just got way derailed there. What were you? I loved every minute of it. I don't know. What was I saying? Something about me being at the owner's meetings. I don't know. Oh, I think I'm just taken aback by how you both uh, managed to brag about being in Miami. So congratulations. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, technically. And not having to pay for it either. Palm, Palm Beach, technically. That's true. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> People pay us to hang out in cool locations. Well, someone do that for me, please. Um, <laughs> so, Jerry Jones, what he said. So, when you go on these types of trips, you get a lot of um, you get a lot of like, well, what was your main takeaway? What did you What did you think about what you heard down there? And 
honestly, it's fitting that we were talking about the draft and I can feel, uh, I can feel Cowboy fans like shaking their fists in frustration, but really what came out of this trip is like how committed the Cowboys are to the draft and how, I don't want to say this is as good as it's going to get, but it might be honestly like free agency might not be over, but like the Cowboys are very much putting their eggs in the basket of like the draft is how we're going to improve this team. Like Mike McCarthy didn't go so that he could be at Alabama pro day this week. He was there with Dan Quinn and Will McClay. Um, They are fixated on how many draft eligible players are in this class, 60, 70 more draftable players in this class than what you have in a given year. Uh, I'm sure if you've been following the news cycle, you've seen the numbers. Will typically says there's like 150 to 160 draftable players in a class this year. It's like 220 to 230 and they've got nine picks. Uh, They've got nine picks to play with three on day one and day two, and then six on day three. Um, They drafted 11 guys last year and, and they did good work with that. And I think that's what they want to do again. And my thing is just like, are you putting a little bit too much pressure on your scouting department by doing that? I think so. But that's, that's, that is the plan. We like our guys. They really mean Will McClay. Man. I mean, they do like Will. They keep giving him new titles and pay raises. I would, I would love to know what Will makes. I bet it. I bet it's a hefty salary. Um, And yeah, I mean, I get it. The track record speaks for itself. Like the Cowboys are one of the better drafting teams in the entire NFL, but. Except for Taco Charlton. But I mean, okay, but that's everybody's, everybody has a miss and that is their big albatross. Tristan Hill is probably another one. Mo Claiborne was before Will took over. Oh, so in the times Will, Will took over the draft board in 2014 and the results are overwhelmingly positive. Zach Martin, Byron Jones, Zeke and Dak. Um, CeeDee Lamb. Lamb, thank you. Micah Parsons maybe yeah. should have led with him. Yeah. Um, Just go back. <laughs> so the track record is good, my thing. But to your point, you still come up with a taco from time to time, and they can't afford that with the business model that they are employing. Like, they cannot afford to miss if the draft is the main way that they are bringing talent onto this roster. I'm almost 100% convinced that they drafted Taco just because of the marketing opportunities. But what's the, like, this is me speaking as an outsider. What are the, the other ways to bring talent onto the roster are just free agency. So it's not like you have, like, well, it's not like you have seven or eight options of how to build a team. No, but so, it, so, I, I think of it more in terms of percentages. I would, I would add trades. Like, I mean, so there's three. Yeah, but it's it's not so much of like this multitude of different options. It's the percentage with which you do it. There are some teams that spend, 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 and I don't think that's the right way to do it. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars have given out billions of dollars in guarantees over the last decade, and they have like one good season to show for it. Then I think the Cowboys are on like the other end of that spectrum where it's draft, 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 and don't spend any money on top of that other than – the draft picks that you hit on, but then I'm honestly, I use, I use your Eagles all the time as an example of balance, like Howie Roseman, they haven't been that great in the draft the last few years, but in general, they found a lot of good players through the draft, but they have been completely unafraid to 
trade for guys or sign guys. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, who was such a big part of that Super Bowl team, was a guy that they gave good money to to come over from the Bears. They traded for Timmy Jernigan, who was a key cog on that team. Um, Malcolm Jenkins was a free agent signing. Rodney McLeod. Uh, so I just think, like I said, it's about the percentage. And I think there needs to be a little bit more of a balance than what the Cowboys do. Like you've got to be willing to, you've got to draft well, but you've also got to be willing to look for talent that's not on your roster. But it's also a year by year basis type thing, isn't it? I mean, you, you, yes. It, and, it, and the success of the team is kind of what dictates whether fans are going to be happy or sad about an approach. If you look at the Rams, you know, who gave up all of their picks and sure. so if that didn't turn out into a Super Bowl, then people would say, Oh my goodness, why don't you draft more talent to totally. draft better? And so. that's, and I, I do get, I get leery about people over hyping the Rams thing because our buddy, Jeff Cavanaugh points out all the time. Like if Jaquiski Tart drops an easy inter- or catches an easy interception in the NFC championship game, the Rams don't have a trophy right now. And everybody's like, how screwed are you? Like, is this ever going to pay off? And I think that's, I think that's football. Absolutely. Like it's one one bad game or one bad half and and you start to rethink your entire, the entire way you do things. And, but um, I will say, I I agree with everything you're saying, but we're going, this is, we're approaching year 10 of the Cowboys really sticking to this strategy. Uh, I think Brandon Carr in 2013 was the last time that they really, splash down like mega money on an outside free agent and again like i'm not that's not what i'm asking them to do but the the points where they've been aggressive in free agency have been few and far between and they've got 10 years worth of results of them not getting over the hump that way and i as somebody who lives in this world like the frustration from the fan base is at an all-time high me which that's not to say that you should base all of your decisions around what the fans think but again, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that that there's more that they could be doing to solidify their roster. Just one sexy draft pick. That's all I want. Well, I think Not that, draft pick. I mean, oh, I was going to say, we can help you with that. We got sexy no, draft do, picks out the wazoo. I do want to know all the sexy draft picks, but I do like, I just, you know, one time, one time, give me a sexy free agent. The funny thing is like, Again, like I don't even uh, so depending on when you're listening to this, the Rams finally agreed to terms with Bobby Wagner today. They gave him fifty million dollars. I don't want them to sign a thirty one year old linebacker to a deal like that. I don't really think that's smart business either. But and I bring this example up all the time just because it's such a it's such an obvious one. Uh, three years ago, they parted with a day three pick for Robert Quinn who comes in and gets like eight, nine sacks and, and you knew he had that potential. And Oh, by the way, he's still doing it. He had like 19 yeah. for the bears last year that that's what I want them to look for that. Like they have four fifth round picks. Is there a veteran guard out there or a veteran tackle that maybe doesn't have a ton of fans in his own building that you could go get because you know, the Cowboys cut Lyle Collins, the Bengals readily snatched him up. Like just because the team you're on doesn't want you doesn't mean you can't do good work somewhere else. Yeah. Um, that's really what I'm hoping for. I don't care if they don't want to give out $50 million right. to somebody, but you know, a little bit more creative in, in how you're willing to bring guys onto the team. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. Cause I mean, when I say free agents, we had a we had a free agent on our own team that like that still counts as signing a sexy free agent, Randy Gregory, when you let him go. Mm, Randy, which that's the other, like you could have, 
re-signing Robert Quinn was a, that's a great point. That's the other thing that come, that came out of the owners' meetings is it was really it was really the first opportunity that we've had to talk to the front office since Randy Cooper and Amari Co- uh, Randy Cooper Randy Gregory <laughs> and Amari Cooper both left and. I'm not telling you that you have to believe them because I, I don't, I call it spin. Uh, I think this, the spin is that the Cowboys think that the only way they managed to do as much as they did in free agency is with that money. Uh, I can hear the sarcastic comments already as like, much as they did. Exactly. Uh, but you know, J Ron curse, Dante Fowler, James Washington, Dorrance Armstrong, um, Leighton Van Der Esch, they will tell you that they needed that money to sign five or six other guys. Do I necessarily buy it? Here's the thing. The problem with that argument specifically because of who I spoke about being Randy Gregory, um, you had a deal in place with him and you botched it. And I think, so you're not, you didn't save money by him, like going somewhere else. You screwed up. And even, I would argue, I mean, Randy Gregory would have hit their cap for a lot of money, but James Washington is a vet minimum signing. Dante Fowler and Leighton Van Der Esch are very small signings. Yeah. You might not have been able to re-sign Dorrance Armstrong if you had signed Randy Gregory, but I, I think I'd be okay. I would have been able to sleep at night. Not that I don't love Dorrance. I would have been able to sleep at night. I just want to say I live in Pittsburgh and I watched a lot of James Washington over the past few years when he was with the Steelers. Yeah. I am not sure how good he is. I that is very fair. He he's he, had one good season on his rookie contract. Yeah, and he he tried to, you know, made some trade demands um not that long ago. I can't remember if that was last season. It was or last season summer. Before. Yeah, I remember that. Juju Smith Schuster got hurt. Um, and it's not like he stepped up to the plate and was the undisputed number one receiver. That that was Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. Um now the Steelers had a bad quarterback. And Dak is way better than Ben Roethlisberger, so we'll see. But I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about James Washington, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous that the Cowboys think that they've done enough, which when you think about the fact that they are prepared for Michael Gallup to at least miss part of training camp, if not all of it, or maybe even a game or two. Yeah. And take a look at the wide receiver depth chart without Michael Gallup and telling me how you feel about that. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts.
I did see James Washington after a Steelers game at the casino. Nice. So, well, he won't believe have me, that I want to here. believe me. I want to root for him <laughs> because he's our he's one resident, of me. our resident gambler. Right. I mean, he could go up to Durant. It's only ninety minutes away. That's called having way too much time on your hands. No. Whatever. All right. Yeah. We'll leave, we'll leave that where it is. I mean, I don't. I don't go up there, so I'm that's, not. The signs in the airport are always like only ninety minutes away, and I'm like, that's a long way. I don't. Not close. I don't feel like driving ninety minutes. Although, if you're in Frisco, you're a little bit close. It's true. If you're in Frisco, it's like sixty. So <laughs> it's just one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, they, I feel like they've been spinning the, speaking of spinning, I feel like they've been talking about how, you know, we haven't really gotten to see how good he could be um, in Pittsburgh. So to have someone who watches him often or had to watch him often. That's, I mean, like I said, well, well Tyler, go ahead as the resident Steeler yeah. fanatic. <laughs> I think there, I, yeah, fanatic, right. Um, I think there was a lot of excitement a couple of years ago because not only was he in Pittsburgh, but... I mean, his college quarterback was there, Mason Rudolph. They were together on the same team. Ben Roethlisberger was hurt, and you just didn't see that connection like you would expect. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody should be Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Also, <laughs> yeah, Mason Rudolph is bad. Exactly, it's but you would, you, would, you would anticipate, you know, chemistry. they put up some sort of chemistry. They put up a lot of high-powered uh, offenses at Oklahoma State. I saw them destroy Pitt a couple of years ago um, by just, you know, targeting – cornerback after cornerback coincidentally uh the eagles avante maddox was one of them and just kind of killed them at heinz field and you would imagine that there would be some sort of rapport there um not only you know not for james washington to be um the best receiver in the league but just kind of a consistent um safety valve or or, or weapon and and i'm just not sure is james washington that guy i, I yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that i, I want to see and i think with a better quarterback and and with you know maybe they'll put enough talent around him between cd lamb dalton schultz eventually michael gallup and having dak prescott i'm intrigued i just hope that that's not plan a really because the other thing i think about all the time the Steelers are like a wide receiver factory, like going back to the beginning of Mike Tomlin's tenure there, like they found Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes was a beast. It's easy to forget that Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. Like they helped develop him into an absolute stud. Antoine Randall was really good when he was, he was there, even going back to Plexico Burris, who was a pretty good receiver uh, for the Steelers. And then on top of that, even like in the era where Ben was kind of declining, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool have been very successful with the same lesser version of Ben that James Washington had. So I feel like the Steelers are a team that maximizes their receiver talent. And that makes, I mean, that makes me dubious of it, to be honest with you. Also last year, they had a pretty good uh, year with Pat Frymuth, uh, the Penn State tight end, yeah, yeah. who is, I'm not, I don't know if he's as good as Schultz is, but he's, they're in the similar vein of the, probably the group of tight ends behind the, you know, the elite guys. The elite guys. Yeah. Um, so it's not like James Washington is going to come here and automatically get 12 targets a game. It's going to be interesting to see how he, I mean, he works out from a, from afar. I'm very happy if James Washington is Cedric Wilson's replacement as the fourth receiver on this team. I am a lot less excited if James Washington is expected to be the two or three like i don't know if that's a great idea and as an eagles fan i feel the exact opposite yeah, of course of course well y'all are 
Go find yeah, a good we receiver. We know receivers. Yeah, go right? find a good receiver anywhere, please. <laughs> or don't. Um, <laughs> okay, so th- is that kind of like the gist of uh, what the Joneses said? Is there anything where like spicy that we need to know? Honestly, like there, there's not a there's not a lot of spice around this team, and like I what? Know. Yeah, whatever. I know. Their right? favorite seasoning is salt. It's it's been it it feels it feels kind of bland right now, and I, I mean, like I said, I don't know if the draft is. I don't think the draft is good enough to improve this team all on its own, but at least I think we'll get some spice there because I do think they'll wind up with a pretty good player or two, and that'll hopefully give us something to talk about besides like. I hope all these cheap guys can play well, which is what what we're dealing with right now. Hey, shout out J. Ron Curse. Every time I, I mean, oh yeah, that was a good one. And and also was somebody that we all collectively rolled our eyes at when he signed last year. We were like, who the hell is this guy, and why should I care? He was like, let me show you. Yeah. So hey, if you want some sunshine, if I'm Kelsey Charles, and if you want some sunshine in your life. Maybe there's another J-Ron curse among this group of free agents. Here's your little victory. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys. That's it. That's my Kelsey. Hey. Hey, guys. Doesn't respond for, like, a... <laughs> All right. Now I feel like we're piling on. Sorry, That's... Kels. She knows we love her. Um, eh. <laughs> Except for Tyler. Um, anyways, so that... There's no specs is what you're saying. Yeah, it's just... It's just, uh... It's, it is what it is. It's, I mean, I have a joke, but I'm not going to make it. I don't, I make it. Go ahead. The Cowboys are like white people food. <laughs> well, those, I mean, she said their favorite seasoning is salt. It's no seasoning. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's like when you like make way too much of a meal and like you're excited for the leftovers the first time. And then maybe you get another meal out of it. But then by like Thursday night, you're like, I can't eat this again. I don't want this anymore. Like we talked about earlier, I think it goes back to the success of the team. Because like you, 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 you take a boring team that's good. Sure. But like, <laughs> well, I think, and, but it's good that people are like, but I, you know. I understand like the frustration comes from the fact that they looked so good last year. Uh, obviously not toward the end, but they, for stretches of time, looked like one of the best teams in the league. And they're, they're not that good anymore. They like on paper, they do not look like a better team. They don't even look like as good of a team. And it's hard to imagine that they can do enough between now and the start of the season to change that, which is a bummer. I think one thing that should give Cowboys fans at least a, um, a sense of calm is that they're, no matter what happens, like they're going to be the best team that the business. I'm going to say they're going to they're going to make the playoffs. They, it, I mean, coming if, from an Eagles fan, you you've had me here before. I I said last year Tyler Michael Parsons was going to be really good. I said that the Cowboys were the best team in the division. I predicted either on here or in person that they would play really well against Tampa in the opener last year, and they and they did. Yep. So I'm, I, you know what, you're you're right. Like now the gap may be a little smaller. But I'm 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 trying to hold off being too too judgy until the whole team is assembled because they are still going to add like a dozen players to the roster. But and yeah, they they get to play six games against the trash East. So I mean, it would be very concerning if they don't at least get a home playoff game out of it. 
So what you're saying is um, the addition of um, hot dog boy Carson Wentz doesn't improve the chances of the uh, Washington com- com- Commanders. Commanders, the commies. <laughs> I keep calling them the commies, so I'm, I'm messing it up. I made a joke the day they traded for him that Carson Wentz is going to be the reason why we're arguing about how the Cowboys can afford Trayvon Diggs because he's going to get four off of Wentz alone and finish the season with like seven and then be like, Hey, I want to be the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. That's coming a year from now. So just get ready. Thanks Carson. Thanks Carson Wentz. (laughs) So here's my, here's my Carson Wentz take. I, I, the jury is sort of, in my opinion, still out on him. You look at his numbers last year. He, I think he threw for 27 touchdowns in only like six or seven no, interceptions. He, he really did only throw like seven picks last and year. And the first couple of games and the last couple of games were not great, but that middle stretch was was pretty productive for him. Um, I don't think he's going to look like he the MVP candidate that he was in 2017, but is he somewhere closer to what we saw from week three to week 14 or 15 last year? And if that's the case, does Washington have enough? to, you know, at least challenge the Cowboys? Maybe. I think um, – I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You, this is your podcast, man. I'm just – I just happen to be here for wrestling. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, the, the interesting thing is the relationship with, you know, Pat Shermer that he's had in Indy and in Philly. That's where he's had his, his success. And now he's going to be – I couldn't even tell you who the offensive coordinator is in Washington. Um, it's going to be a new relationship, a new offense. Um, I just think the jury is out for two reasons. One, he's just got, I know he only threw seven picks last year, but like he's got this reckless streak in him that like when the chips are down, he reverts to doing insane stuff. And that was what I was going to say. Like if the offense is built around him being more of a game manager, that might be the best thing instead of him being gunslinger Carson Wentz. Now it's a matter of, can you make him and do that? And or could a new voice, who he's not used to listening to. Maybe, but Frank Frank Reich was his guy. Like, that was the appeal of going to Indy. And then on top of yeah, that. I said Pat Shermer, Frank Reich, whatever. Oh, I, I was sitting They're there like, like, oh, damn, Frank. Yeah. Regardless. But did you see, speaking of the owners meetings, did you see the way Jim Ursay just drove over him with the bus and then backed it back up over it? He was <laughs> like, he was like, we had to get him off of our team. So that leads me to wonder, like, I think there's more there, especially knowing the way that it ended in Philly, where like it clearly was a very toxic ending in Philly. There's something there with Carson. There's something off field. That's what I'm saying. Like something about his intangibles are not good. I mean, that's just me reading tea leaves, but they're very big tea leaves. I mean, I'm just saying like you're musing that like he could be better with better direction. And to that, I say, um, in Washington, he chose to wear that suit. So he, he listened to, if he's listening to people, things won't change. To quote, <laughs> I think you should leave. He might not be, he might not be dressed. What is it? He might not be dressed like a hot dog, but he looks like a hot dog. <laughs> he looked like a hot dog. I'll never get over that photo. Never. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, like the Cowboys at the very worst should win nine games and win the division. I mean, that is like my, that is a worst case scenario as long as like everybody's healthy, knock on wood, or, you know, the important people. That's fair. But yeah. is that, that like, that, does, that doesn't make Cowboy fans feel better. Nothing makes me feel better. Yeah, exactly. I love the pain. Um, 
But, you know, maybe to make me feel better, you should tell me who we're going to draft. I think you should familiarize yourself with offense, interior offensive linemen and receivers. Um, See, I knew we were going to do that. So, like, uh, Zion Johnson out of Boston College is a name I think you should know. Um, Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa. I'm sorry. They they might draft a Hawkeye, no offense. But what about uh, Beef Jerky? Beef Jerky? Beef Jerky. Who the hell is that? Can't, is that Nebraska? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. Not in the first round. I know. That's my, it's mine. Oh, okay. My other one. Um, I, I was going to say, oh, okay. Kevin Gates, cool story. <laughs> <laughs> um, Traylon Burks, you know, for all the, for all the crap Jerry and Steven get about going to Arkansas, they've only ever drafted one Arkansas player, Felix Jones. Yeah. Maybe Traylon Burks could be number two. He's very fun. He's like, they they didn't draft Gary McFadden, but they did, did play yeah. for him, right? No, yeah. Uh, he's like an even bigger Des Bryant. Uh, oh. He like, looks like a linebacker, but he runs like a 4-5. Okay. Uh, Chris Olave, the Ohio State receiver. Um, maybe something crazy could happen. We keep talking about this hilarious scenario where our guy Derek Stingley falls because he hasn't been healthy in two years, but – the last mock I looked at um, um, recently, and I believe it was the athletics mock, um, um, I believe had Derek Stingley to the Eagles. There you go. At the at their first pick. There you go. Darius Slay and Derek Stingley. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Uh, One of them has to end up on Cincinnati somehow. Familiarize yourself with guards and receivers for the time being would be my advice to you. And tune into the draft show. Dave, plug your stuff. Please do. Uh, you know, we go twice a week on DallasCowboys.com or all podcast apps, Tuesdays and Thursdays, me, Jeff, Brian, and Kyle. Uh, you know, find me on all things DallasCowboys.com. Come. I, I, just, I feel like if you're listening to this, you probably are familiar with my work, not to sound conceited. Likely. But, uh, yeah, come, come holler at me at, at Hellman DC. Send him a good meme. Send, yeah, send me something funny. Everybody's so angry these days, which I, get, I mean, I get, but, you know, let's laugh through the pain instead of crying. And Tyler, where can they find you and all your stuffs? Well, number one, please subscribe to The Athletic. Um, I have never met Dane Brugler, but he does good work. My he, guy! He is my coworker, and, and please pay attention to all the draft stuff that he has. Um, in terms of the NBA stuff, I'm literally editing a mock draft right now, and we're going to turn the heat up on that. And uh, check out some of the pro wrestling coverage that we've been doing recently. I would uh, greatly appreciate it. And as always, Megan, it is such a joy to talk to you. I truly enjoy doing this. Even though you guys, I know how you're going to end the podcast, but I'm going to (laughs) walk out of the room before you do it. Whatever. Um, Thank you for coming on, Tyler. You are a joy. Um, This, I'm letting him stay in my house, so he has to say nice things about me, so. I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, all right, y'all. Well, that is our episode today. Make sure you check out um, everything on bloggingboys.com. They are churning out content all the time and we have podcasts coming out every single day. Um, so check us out there. I will catch y'all on Sunday with another episode of The World's Team with Paul Stewart. Um, but until then, Cowboys forever, Eagles for never. Mm, go birds. <laughs> Birds aren't real.